inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. I'm glad to have you with us today on the program. Another week of the core here on American Family Radio. I'm, I'm your host, Walker Wildman. We are live streaming the video for the show today on two different platforms, two locations. We live stream the show each weekday on Facebook, on AFA at the Core's Facebook page. We also live stream on our video, on our streaming platform, AFA Streaming, launched in November of 2021. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, we launched the live option, so you can watch the show live there on AFA Streaming. The URL for that is streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. The uh, uh, scripture for the week, where we are this week, is uh, Psalm chapter 36. But before we uh, get there, I do want to let you know about Two guests that we're going to have on the show uh, this hour, we're going to have on Stephen McDowell, co-founder and president of the Providence Foundation, also um, well-known historian on America's founding uh, fathers, America's founding in general, uh, George Washington expert as well. We're going to have on Stephen to talk about this uh, New York Times op-ed, and here's the here's the title of the op-ed. I've actually got it right here. The uh, title for this op-ed is The Constitution is Broken and Should Not Be Reclaimed. (laughs) So uh, that's written by uh, two law professors, one from Harvard and one from Yale. So we'll see what Stephen McDowell thinks about that in the next segment. Then we'll have on Ken Harrison, CEO of well-known promise keepers about his new book, Daring Faith in a Cowardly uh, World. We'll talk with Ken uh, in the last segment about his latest book. Well, Psalm chapter 36 is where we are this week. Psalm chapter 36, looking down at verse 7 through 9, David says uh, regarding the Lord, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. So may that be said of us this week. May that be said of our lives that we take refuge in the shadow of God's wings. Well, uh, moving into some of our stories today, the uh, I came across this pretty encouraging report from a uh, entity called the Reshoring Initiative, or Reshoring Initiative, and this uh, this group focuses on reshoring America's jobs, America's manufacturing jobs, and uh, of course bringing them back domestic. We've seen over the last 
several decades, we've seen America's manufacturing industry be completely destroyed, completely implode uh, because of, of, of multiple reasons. But one of the main reasons is America's foreign policy and uh, disincentivizing American manufacturing domestically and incentivizing it, encouraging it uh, foreign uh, from a foreign perspective. That has has in large part, uh, you can get into our tax makeup or our tax code as well, but it's been more profitable for large corporations to rely on cheap labor in China and other nations as opposed to investing and maintaining manufacturing capability and capacity here domestically. So that's a, that's a whole topic in and of itself. But the bottom line is, for multiple reasons, our manufacturing capacity has been completely drained over the last several decades here in the U.S. The number I came across today is about um, over the last couple of decades, we've closed about 50,000 uh, manufacturing facilities here in the U.S. 50,000. So imagine how many jobs that is. So if we close 50,000 manufacturing plants, um, imagine how many jobs have been bled from America's economy, from America's heartland as a result of uh, manufacturing being pushed overseas. Well, so the good news out of this report, I did have good news, is that um, – the number of manufacturing jobs, reading directly from this report here, the number of manufacturing jobs that have been reshored to the United States is at a record high as concerns swirl over supply chain dependency on China, a new research report details. So this report, as I mentioned, published by the Reshoring Initiative, reveals that a record number of American manufacturing jobs have been brought home after being offshored and outsourced to foreign countries over the last two decades. When China officially entered the World Trade Organization, WTO, reading farther into this news report, in uh, 2022 alone, uh, the report projects that about 350,000 American jobs are expected to be reshored to the U.S. labor market. Another record after 2021 set a record of 260,000 American jobs. Uh, when 260,000 American jobs were brought home just last year in 2021 alone. Um, that will, um, sp uh, when you look at 2010 to, to where we are today, 2022, if the projection for this year holds, which it should, that will bring, over the last 12 years, we will have brought an estimated 1.6 million jobs home. 1.6 million jobs home. The factors that are attributed, I just mentioned a few factors, including China. But here's a couple factors that are drive that's driving uh, the reshoring of America's manufacturing sector. The um, there's been increased federal support for domestic manufacturing. That's one reason. the uh, the Chinese the the Chinese shutdowns and supply chain insanity has also caused American corporations to want to bring manufacturing back home. Tariffs have uh, led in some of this decision-making. 
and increased shipping cost has also been a factor uh, when companies are making this decision. So all in all, a pretty, pretty good report. All in all, a pretty good report. Now, we got a long way to go before we completely reshore all the manufacturing jobs we've lost over the last 30 years. So by far, we're not there yet, but we are on the right path to bringing America's manufacturing back home. And I think you can you can really attribute at least some of this, if not most of it, to uh, the tariffs and all the policies that President Trump put in place when he was in office. I mean, he was he was set on bringing American jobs back to America, bringing jobs back to America. He was set on that, and his policies and uh, decisions were um, uh, led America in that direction over the last um, couple of years. And and I think you're seeing the fruit of that now. You're seeing the fruit of Trump's tariffs and his policies to bring a, a manufacturing back home. You're seeing the fruit of that now, a year or two after his administration. So that's a good news report, and we need to continue that trend uh, going because uh, that'll equal more jobs uh, for Americans. And it will uh, shore up our supply chain and our critical supply chain security. That's one of a major concern of mine, should be a major concern of all of us, is how secure is our critical supply chain? How, cure, how secure is our critical supply chains? And when I say critical, I'm not talking tennis shoes. All right, I'm not talking. I'm not talking uh, uh, T-shirts. I'm talking um, computer technology, pharmaceuticals. You know, where are we getting all of our pharmaceutical drugs? Are we getting it from China? How secure is that supply chain? Does China have a have a um, have a, have us a, a control of of our critical pharmaceutical supply chains? Can they cut it off? with a moment's notice. I mean, all these are very, very important questions. Where are we getting our military equipment? Um, and as I mentioned, uh, computer technology, where are we getting our semiconductor chips from? Where are we getting our battery, your lithium batteries from? All of these supply chain questions should be a matter of national security, and uh, policymakers should do everything they can to shore up um, as much uh, domestic supply chain as possible, especially as it relates to national security issues, national security um, categories in the supply chain. Well, moving to a few other things I want to make sure I get to this segment. The um, uh, Tim Ryan is in Ohio, and he's running for, for the Senate seat there in the state of Ohio. He's running against J.D. Vance. And, uh, you know, the Democrats, they, they are – they hold to very, very immoral positions, very immoral views. And th- th- they have really gone extreme on abortion. And we saw the clip a couple years ago of Virginia, former Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, talking about how we should be able to kill babies even after they're born. He was uh, called on a podcast listening to that, or saying that rather, and then ever since then, I mean, there's basically been no limit. I mean, we should be able to kill babies whenever. That's basically been their mantra. Well, uh, d- uh, Tim Ryan from Ohio just further uh, solidified that position. Let's listen to clip five. What restrictions, if any, do you believe there mm-hmm. should be on abortion? Well, ultimately, this needs to be a decision between the woman and her doctor. 
And of course, we don't support abortion at the end of term unless, of course, there is an extraordinary circumstance where, you know, you're eight months into a pregnancy and something very tragic is happening in that pregnancy where you, 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 you know, you, you have a room, you, you've bought toys, you have clothing for the baby, everyone's excited, you know, and then something tragic right. happens. That needs to be left up to the doctor, not to J.D. Vance or I, Ted Cruz or anybody else. Well, but That's as a, a very serious situation. But as a legislator, you, you have to have some idea of what you want to do when you're not a doctor. So should there be some restrictions when it comes to the law of the land? Well, you ultimately, I think the, the decider has to be the woman and her doctor. We can't account for every so single that means, scenario. It sounds like you're really, saying no restrictions. The, the extreme... Well, I think there no one's supporting abortion towards the end. What is towards the end? You know, how are you going to run for office and you can't even answer a basic policy question? I mean, what is this? He said he said in up to 8 months they should be able to kill the baby. Babies can live outside the womb at 8 months, folks. So we're going to just kill the baby? What And what is extreme circumstances? They never define this stuff. They never define this stuff. And so you got the Democrats over here, they want to kill babies whenever. Some of them said they want to kill babies even after they're born. And then you've got Republicans over here, some of them, that wiffle waffle, ride the fence, and they he and they haul and they ooh and they ah, and they just don't know, know what to say when they get put on the spot. And then I played the clip a couple weeks ago of a Republican from South Carolina, a congresswoman from South Carolina, talking about, well, we need exceptions. And, well, we shouldn't be so black and white on this issue. Yeah, if we're going to be black and white on any issues, this is the issue to be black and white on. Do the babies live or do the babies get murdered? That's the question. Do the babies get murdered or do the babies live? All right, and you can you can start going down all these these side rabbit trails of well this and well that. No, no, no. This is about whether the babies live and the babies don't. And by the way, the term abortion has gotten misconstrued, stretched. And we'll talk about this a little bit after the break, but folks, a miscarriage is not an abortion. A miscarriage is not an abortion, but what the Democrats want to be able to do is they want to target the babies for death at all phases of life and that is evil. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In his October 11th, 1798 address to the Massachusetts Militia, John Adams, second president of the United States and founding father, said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. He understood that in order for the American Constitutional Republic to survive long term, the church in America must make disciples of its populace. An immoral people will always destroy themselves through lawlessness. To think otherwise is to suffer under a grand delusion. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. When was the last time your family had a whole day of uninterrupted quality time together? Okay, that might feel like a big ask, but what about an evening of togetherness without tech, a dinner without phones? Today's families are suffering from a new member in their homes, the tech intruder. Devices bring convenience and complication to families. While the wise response might not be abstaining altogether, it might center around boundaries with the intent to keep God at the helm. Author of the book, The Tech Wise Family, Andy Crouch offers a challenge to build wonder in your children for God. He writes, wonder comes from opening your eyes wider, not bringing the screen closer. Guide your girl to a healthy relationship with the Lord and wisely bind the tech intruder. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Well, we're over halfway full with our trip to Israel. And that's coming up in March 2023. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Lots of folks are signing up to travel with us, and we would love for you to join us if you've been waiting to go to Israel. As I've said before, there's no COVID travel restrictions any longer coming back into the U.S. or in Israel. There's no testing, and certainly there's no, quote, vaccine requirements. So... All you need is a suitcase and a passport. That's it. So all the information is available at twholyland.com, twholyland.com. It's going to be a wonderful time to see the places you read about your whole life in the Bible. And uh, we look forward to taking everyone in March. So join us, twholyland.com, twholyland.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you back for this second segment. Well, before I introduce our next guest, I want to wrap up the last uh, segment and the topic we were talking about there. You know, this uh, the term abortion has really gotten... Um, stretched it's 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 thrown around it's used in all kind of scenarios that don't even really qualify uh, medically uh, as an abortion and uh, you have uh, what's what's often called a miscarriage or otherwise a spontaneous abortion and those are non-elective abortions those are not uh, someone's decision those are uh, tragedies or uh, medical incidents um, that are outside of the control of doctors and outside of the control of even even the mom, um, but but the the media intentionally and the Democrats as well they intentionally lump everything in and, and just call it all abortion. Um, but what what the Democrats are, are are starkly in favor for is what's known as elective abortions. They want the they want the so-called doctors. And by the way, how can you be a doctor if you're taking life? How can you be called a doctor? The whole purpose of being a doctor is to preserve life, to save life, to foster life. But that's a whole separate topic. Um, But the Democrats want elective abortion to be permissible, to be legal at all stages. They want to be able to kill the baby at all stages, and it's very, very wicked. But we must uh, know our terms, and we must use them appropriately. Elective abortion is what the Democrats are in favor of, and some Republicans as well, and that means they want to be able to uh, target the child for death 
uh, at any stage of pregnancy and for any reason, even uh, non-life-threatening reasons. Uh, that's what the Democrats are in favor of. Well, I want to introduce uh, Stephen McDowell. He's a uh, co-founder and president of Providence Foundation, a well-known author and historian, uh, expert on George Washington, by the way. I've, I've read, uh, read his book on uh, George Washington. Very fascinating. Hey, Stephen, welcome to AFA at the Core. Hi, Walker. Great to be with you today. Well, Stephen, uh, I want to get your your feedback, your thoughts on this New York Times op-ed. Before we do, tell our audience a little bit about your your work over at Providence Foundation and how long you've been studying America's founding um, fathers and founding history. Well, the, the Providence Foundation is a Christian educational organization whose mission is to train leaders to transform their culture for Christ. And we do that by educating in a biblical worldview. So we teach biblical principles of law, government, education, God's hand in, in history. I It's been all, about 40 years that I have been uh, teaching and writing uh, in, in this area. And uh, over that time, we've produced many books and videos. It's been translated into 18 different languages and and uh, sowing seeds of truth that will bring positive transformation. Mm. Well, uh, Stephen, I came across this uh, New York Times op-ed, and I'll just read the the, he- the title for you and then uh, a few brief uh, uh, blurbs from it. But the, the title is, The Constitution is Broken and Should Not Be Reclaimed. The authors here are uh, two law professors, one's from Harvard and one's from Yale, but they, the, Stephen, they go throughout the entire uh, column or op-ed talking about um, how antiquated the Constitution is. We really don't need it anymore. Instead, we just need to start over with something else, something fresh. And 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 you and I, we, we've we've seen this coming, and we've we've understood the utter disregard for America's founding fathers, America's founding documents. But but Stephen, they, I haven't seen at least me personally, I haven't seen it written so blatantly that we just need to throw the Constitution in the garbage. Your feedback. Um, Well, you know, you're right, Walker. This idea is not new. There's been people talking about it or hinting at it for a long time. And these professors are just a little more straightforward than we're used to hearing. But it's, it's interesting, the very fact they write about this, and they even say that in their writing, that the wisdom of the founders have proved has proved true because having a constitution, as Jefferson said, is like a chain to bind down uh, people from abusing a power and authority. So the very fact that we have a constitution, it's the indication. Look, there is a higher law uh, that all men are subject to, and that that a majority of people, just because they feel like it, cannot. Uh, abandon that higher law. And this was a a very important component of why the founders established us as a constitutional republic, because they recognized this, this really biblical idea of the rule of law, because rulers are subject to the law as much as the people are. And so these professors and liberals and leftists, you know, they want to to abandon this higher law. And our higher law is rooted in in the God who created the universe, who is the ultimate source of all law. And all he declares all men are subject to his higher law. And sinful man don't like that. 
<laughs> sinful man saying, hey, I can do a better job than God. I want to be a law unto myself. And this, these professors admitted, our Constitution is keeping me from really uh, abandoning it 100% and doing whatever I feel like doing. Mm. And so that's why they, they propose this. Uh, and, uh, of course, this concept has been around since the fall of man, that the idea that man wants to be a law unto himself and, and abandoned any thought of a higher law. Well, Stephen, um, some people have read up, they've studied our founding, uh, nation's founding, the context in which our nation was founded, um, and why our founding fathers fled where they fled from. But tell us, what, what, what was the, the, the driver behind our, our founding fathers, our founding documents, the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights that's within the Constitution— what drove our founding fathers to create such a document, such a critical document, to, to chain, as you say, chain chain man uh, from abusing his power and his authority? What was the driver? What was the context of America's founding? Well, throughout most of history, men have lived under rulers' law. The rulers have made the law, imposed them upon the people, and the people have had no say-so in that. And of course, when you know anything about history, this has brought great oppression uh, to almost all men, unless you were a select few rulers who were sitting in the places of dictating the law. And so the founders, who were very biblically-minded men, uh, they understood you know, that the Bible teaches this idea of, of uh, the higher law, the rule of law, So, and they saw the great danger. Not only that, but they... Had a, they, they had a Christian view of man and government. As uh, John Adams put it, quoting from the book of Jeremiah, says that, that man is sinful, that his heart is evil, it's desperately wicked. And since man uh, is wicked, you cannot entrust him with too much power because he will abuse that power. Therefore, the whole reason they gave us a constitution is based upon this Christian idea of man, that man is fallen and sinful. And so you have to limit his power. You define it in a constitution. In our constitution, it's not only a, a higher, uh, recognizes higher authority, but it recognizes delegated authority and limited authority. And so the constitution is a document of delegating authority to the national government from the people and the states who are under the higher law of God. And so they said, we don't, we want to limit it. So they listed 18 enumerated powers in the constitution, read article one uh, of the constitution that deals with the powers of Congress. And the constitution says, okay, national government, you get this much power. This is all the power that you get. All the rest belongs to the localities or the, uh, the states. And so they, having a Christian view of man, they limited the, the power of man. They recognized the higher authority uh, of God as a safeguard against our God-given rights and liberties, because they knew that throughout history, men have abused power and authority. And so uh, the Constitution is the way to, to limit the power and to define what that power is. And these professors and 
liberals, leftists just like them don't like that. They they want to do whatever they want to do. That's what they essence said in the, their article. They said, you know, the Constitution has kept us from really being able to just institute anything that we want to, like, you know, you were talking about abortion in the previous section. You know, if we want to kill our kids, we don't want to be restrained by the Constitution. If we want to confiscate property, we don't want to be constrained by the Constitution. If we want to implement our our view of how to bring a top- utopia in the earth, we don't want to be constrained by limited powers and uh, that the Constitution mentions are higher authority. So let's just get rid of it and do whatever we feel like. Stephen, it seems though as though when you talk, when we talk about this, when we explain the reasoning behind our founding documents, that even people who are non-Christians but maybe reasonably minded to the extent that they can be, in it with an unbelieving heart, uh, would see that the fact, the truth that the way America is set up is it is it protects all citizens. Um, you have multiple parts of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights that are aimed at protecting individual rights, to protecting people's uh, religious liberty. Um, you would just think that that some people, and maybe they do, would see the 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 damage, the potential damage that would come when you when you completely abolish and eliminate America's founding principles, America's founding documents in place of whatever man says. I mean, that's going to be terrible. That that reality down the road is going to be terrible for all of us, even people who aren't Christians. Well, you're exactly right. That that logically makes sense that our Constitution protects everyone's God-given right to life, liberty, and property. So you think, hey, we're all for this, because if the other side of the aisle is in charge of of, of exercising the power of government. We don't want him to trample on our rights. But, but the problem is with the secularists, they have kind of a, a, a view beyond that. See, they, they believe that the way for man to bring utopia on the earth, to elevate his position on the earth, is through the power of government and law. Now, for Christians, we believe that is through the the power of the Holy Spirit operating within the mind and heart of men, mm-hmm. gradually bringing internal to external change. So we believe in a living God who wants to bring flourishing on the earth. They don't have that belief. So they believe, hey, if we're going to bring, you know, uh, make society better, it's going to be we that are doing it. And they think we, the smart people who went to Harvard Law School, <laughs> went to Harvard, we're the ones who know really. Uh, how to build a, a great, peaceful, prosperous society. And we're constrained from doing that by these antiquated documents. Therefore, we need to be in power. And if we get in power, we can really be a blessing to mankind. It's kind of the same lies of socialism. You know, mm-hmm. we'll use the power of government using other people's money to. To, to bring utopia on earth, of course, it never works because it's contrary to how God set up things to function mm. in his earth. Fascinating stuff, Stephen. Hey, one last question. you got about a minute left. Uh, some people think that our founding fathers were maybe, um, some people may think that our founding fathers were a bunch of um, doctorates and law professors and uh, 
and that maybe if you're not that, then you really can't have an impact on American culture, American society. But tell us a little bit about our founding fathers. What 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 type of occupations, what type of professions uh, were uh, our founding fathers participating in? Well, they were from every background. They were businessmen. They were, you know, some some lawyers. They were educators. A few ministers sprinkled in there as well. But you know, only a about a third of the founders went to college. They were not what we would quote think today are educated men, but they were far more intelligent than college graduates today. <laughs> but they were from all backgrounds. Uh, they were primarily Christians. You know, you know, ninety-nine percent of them would embrace the Christian faith. God knows the heart, but many of them were genuine believers. They had a, 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 a biblical understanding, a biblical worldview. They looked at government and economics and life and the family from a biblical perspective. In that sense, they were much different than Americans today. But they were not unlike you, you and I. Uh, um, uh, they just were men who dedicated themselves to serve the nation, and they prepared themselves to understand what it takes to live in liberty. And, Unfortunately, most Americans today have, don't know that. They, they go to secular schools and are taught secular ideas, so they don't know eternal vigilance is the price of liberty and how can we carry on this great experiment of liberty that our founders gave us. And to do that, we need Christian character, biblical worldview. Uh, it's essential for a large portion of the American people to understand that to support our unique form of government. Amazing, Stephen, what our founding fathers did, what they went through, and how God used them. Hey, Stephen McDowell, thanks so much for coming on the Corps. Appreciate your insights, and we'll, we'll have you on again sometime. Thanks, Walker. Bless you. All right. Appreciate it, Stephen. That's uh, Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation, longtime friend of the ministry here. Uh, he and my father have been uh, leading spiritual heritage tours to our nation's capital and our nation's founding uh, parts of the country um, for years now they've been leading those spiritual heritage tours so appreciate Stephen coming on he's got some excellent resources by the way uh, we'll post a link to uh, Stephen McDowell's website on our podcast page at AFR.net so you can link through there that's uh, Stephen McDowell with the Providence Foundation so America's founding was explicitly Christian and it was founded by people who had a biblical worldview and uh, most of them didn't go to college uh, so you don't have to go to college to be smart. You don't have to go to college to be used by God. That's an important lesson for us today. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow 
political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare as a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Dinosaurs, a great mystery? This is Ken Ham, and children 10 and under are free at our Noah's Ark south of Cincinnati. When most people think of dinosaurs, they automatically picture a period millions of years ago. Such a time is often considered to be shrouded in mystery as people wonder what really happened to these beasts. But dinosaurs are only a great mystery if you start with evolutionary ideas. You see, in a biblical worldview, dinosaurs didn't live millions of years ago. They were created by God along with the rest of life just a few thousand years ago. Dinosaurs lived alongside man until they died out sometime after the global flood. So all this week, we're going to apply the Bible's history to dinosaurs. We'll discover they are not a great mystery. Discover more about a biblical view of dinosaurs when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com and plan your visit to the family-friendly Ark Encounter when you go to AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. If you want to watch the show, you can go to streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. You can go there and watch the show live. You can also go over to our Facebook page, AFA at The Core's Facebook page, and watch the show there as well, whichever one you prefer. Uh, We do uh, uh, live stream the audio only on our website and on our app, the AFR website and the AFR app. Uh, we do live stream the audio only there as well. And we push the podcast out on multiple podcast platforms after the show each day. Uh, so you can go back and listen to the entire show. Maybe you miss a segment or two. You can go back and listen to the entire show uh, via podcast on multiple podcast platforms. Well, I do want to introduce our next guest. We have on with us now uh, Ken Harrison. He's chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers, a well-known ministry um, Ken, welcome to AFA at the Core. Thanks, Walker. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, Ken, tell our audience before we jump into your latest book uh, a little bit about the work of Promise Keepers and what you what you guys are up to today. Yeah, well, you know, as you remember, it was a massive movement back in the '90s, selling out football stadiums and whatnot. And we had our first real comeback uh, last summer at Dallas Cowboy Stadium in uh, in Arlington, Texas, and that actually went really well, but 
um, more than, than the in-person events, we just had some huge virtual events because we find it's a lot easier to reach a huge, a huge amount of people. So we had a, a virtual event. We had 1.4 million people watch it in 84 countries. And um, this past fall, about, about twice a year, we put out virtual events and really deep, in-depth teaching that most people just don't take on because they don't, we're, this is men talking to men. So hmm. it was on sexual integrity. We had 150,000 men watch that. And we had 5,000 men go through our intensive 30-day healing challenge about healing up from your junk and, and pornography addiction and all other sorts of things. And we take on that stuff really blatantly, the way only sort of a man talking to a man can really do. Mm, that's excellent. That's much needed, to your point, very much needed. Hey, uh, you wrote a book recently called A Daring Faith in a Cowardly uh, World. Tell us why you wrote this book. You know, I have seen, running Promise Keepers for the last five years, um, men are leaving the church, and I'm asking myself why, and I'm just, just questioning them over and over again. And There's this message of cheap grace, I think, you know, that whether on purpose or inadvertently, the, the main message that so many people in the evangelical church get these days is, you're a bad person, but God loves you anyway. And so you end up identifying yourself as that you're a bad person. And I think for, for men, and this book's not just for men, it's for everybody, but this is what was the nexus of it, is that's, like Satan, only a twisted part of the truth. The, the truth is you are a bad person, and God loves you anyway. However, because he died and rose again, you now are a son or daughter of the Most High Living God, right? And so, and because you're a child, you have uh, unmerited acceptance by God, but you do not have unmerited approval. So there's a reason to live your life with boldness and courage and to stand for truth and Scripture. The devil has really caused men to become passive because of this sort of fake, cheap grace message that's gone out there. Hmm. Well, you got a good point there, because, you know, one thing that I think some believers fall into, the trap they fall into, is that, well, um, you know, Christ came to uh, fulfill the law, and so we don't live under the Old Testament law. There's grace now, and th- those are all true statements. But oftentimes, once theology ends there, they end at well, exactly. there, there's grace now, and but they don't go on to the New Testament teachings about how Jesus actually raised the bar. He didn't lower the bar; he actually raised <laughs> the bar. I mean, think about the uh, the parable or the teaching on on uh, adultery and how. Uh, Jesus says, well, adultery is not only when you, you know, have sex outside of a marriage with another woman, but uh, adultery is also when you look upon a woman with lustful intent. So that gets into the matter of the heart. Jesus raised the bar, and to your point, we've got we've to delve into that. We've got to jump into that and embrace the fact that God calls us to a very, very high standard. Yeah, in fact, I mean, think about it. If, if the salvation message is given in John 3.16, which it is, if you believe you're saved, period, then what are all the rest of his words about? They're all about how to be holy, and why should I care about being holy? Well, it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for the deeds done in the body, whether good or worthless. Mm. He's only talking to Christians there. Christians will be judged based on what they did with their salvation. So once you're saved, you're saved completely by grace. After you're saved, Ephesians 2.10 says that you have good works that God prepared at the beginning of time for you to accomplish. And you can have great, incredible rewards or not based on how well you carry out that mission he gave you. Ken, when you look at, at at the church 
not just in America, but around the world, and you look at men uh, within the body of Christ, because that's what, what your ministry has mainly been targeted towards, what what's the main thing as believers, as men, that we're getting wrong? I'm speaking to myself here. What what are we, what's the main thing that as, as Christian men, we are not doing well or not getting, uh, uh, not, not, not thinking about or doing right? And I know you could probably say 10 things, but what's the main, what's the main driver here <laughs> behind right. the breakdown of the family and the lack of leadership within some parts of the church? You know what? It's such a great question. And, and it, as you said that, I was thinking, oh, there's 10 answers I could give. Let me just go with this one. If you, when you read Scripture over and over again, what does God point out that He loves in people? It's boldness. It's mm-hmm. courage. And we teach in the Americanized Church that what God wants is prudence. Well, don't, don't smoke, don't chew, don't date girls that do, don't, don't do anything, don't have a life. And that's not what we see in Scripture. What we see in Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 is the Hall of Faith. And God says, be like these people. Well, okay, who are these people? And you look at the list he gives, and you go, okay, that's about the most screwed up list of people I've ever seen. <laughs> he's saying, be like them, right? Yeah. Well, what did they all have in common? Number one, they lived life to the full. They were sinners, and they repented, number one. And number two, none of them ever backed down from a fight. God's mm-hmm. saying, I value people who are out there standing up for the oppressed, pleading the widow's cause, and correcting the oppressor, it says in Isaiah 117. God likes people or about his business with courage. And instead, we, we preach the sort of passivity in the westernized church. It really has taken over too much. And so what we've gotten, what we've asked for, mm. to get cowardly, passive men. Yeah, it's amazing what just a couple godly men could do in a, in a, in a city, in a church, in a, in a, in a, in a county, in a state, um, how God can use just, just a handful of men. And you saw what he did with 12 Um Back in the early church, I mean, see what he did there uh, with just 12 men. Hey, Ken, I appreciate your insight and uh, your latest book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. Uh, what What are a couple options for people who want to who want to order this book? Um, you can get it on the usual places, the Amazons and the Barnes and Nobles, and then also I have a website called KenRHarrison.com um, that'll have some videos and some things that are helpful. It's, and you have to make sure you put remember the R KenRHarrison.com. And then lastly, uh, promisekeepers.org. You know, we, we start off talking about that. So many amazing materials, especially for men who are struggling, for, for women who are saying, how do I fix my, my sons, my husband? Um, we really have some bold and amazing teaching at promisekeepers.org. You can get the book at any one of those outlets. All right. Excellent, Ken. Hey, appreciate you coming on. Keep up the good work and uh, doing God's work. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, that's uh, Ken Harrison. He's uh, chairman and CEO of Promise Keepers, and his latest book is A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. Uh, That's what we need today is uh, courage. We need courage. We need a daring faith. That's what God's Word calls us to. Well, um, another uh, topic I did want to make sure I get to is this, this student loan uh, bailout. That's what I'm going to call it. Forgiveness. That's just way too vanilla, way too weak. <laughs> I'm going to call it this bailout. It's this student loan bailout. And um, there's this group out there called the American Action Network. And I don't know who founded the group. I don't know who's behind the group. I just know they put out this excellent, excellent ad 
Um, and the ad is coming from the perspective of a working, a blue class, uh, blue collar working class American. And in response to Biden and his administration wanting to pay the pay the college tuition bill uh, for all these all these college grads, all these business majors. And uh, let's listen to clip four. I spend more time working on these cars than with my own family. I spend my days digging holes, cutting grass, and sweating. This is job number two today. So my customers aren't the only ones drinking coffee. I'm breaking my back out here for one reason. I want to pay off some other guy's debt. Biden's (laughs) plan to pay other people's college loans using my tax dollars is a great idea. Biden's right. You should take my tax dollars to pay off your debts. My family will figure out how to get by with less. What's most important is we spare college graduates from any extra stress. Want to be a struggling artist? College is on me. My kids don't need fancy things like school supplies or new shoes. I work for you, theater major. This shift is for you, business major. Go buy yourself that new car. Enjoy your free ride. College is on me. Tell Congress, stop Biden's bailout for rich kids. Oh, Bobby, that was glorious. I love that lawnmower in the background. <laughs> that was great. It's so true, though. Yeah, it is. It's so it's true. absolutely grassroots truth. Yeah, when you talk bailout, what are you talking? You're talking about you and me paying for it. This money, folks, money does not come out of air. Money does not come out of thin air. Money doesn't come off trees. Isn't that the old saying? Money doesn't grow on trees. Well, and, and part other, of it does. The other part of it is that in the times that we live, even that's not enough. 10,000, 20,000. No, it's got to be the whole hog. Yeah. I need you to pay it all off. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the whole principle behind this yeah, pay is, off my mortgage. Well, there is no principle. <laughs> there is no core value. There is no There's no capital T truth behind all of this. It's really whatever whatever Biden's team says on any given day. I mean, to Bobby's point, I mean, why 10,000? Why not 100,000? Why not a million? I mean, why limits, right? Because after all, man creates the rules according to these folks. Um, but this is this is folks. This is a a strategy that appeases man, appeases man's flesh, and it's wicked. That's what this is all about. The whole you know, government can pay for it. Government will send you money. Let government take take care of it. It's exactly what Stephen McDowell talked about. It is evil man capitalizing on other evil men or other sinful men, and and this this weakness that we all just want to be coddled and taken care of. We all just want to be comforted. We all just want it want it easy. We want the easy path, and so Democrats are capitalizing on this. Democrats are capitalizing on this, and they're saying, look, we'll pay for it all. Don't worry. We got this. We own the printing press. We own the Treasury Department. We can click a few buttons and make a trillion dollars just like that. And so that's what they're doing. And, and when you have a culture in America that has that has deeply detached itself from our founding, that is has deeply detached itself from biblical truth, so when you have a culture that is morally decaying, then then who's going to argue against this, right? Who's going to argue against 
the government printing more money because, well, we want to be able to print more money. So when you detach yourself from moral absolute truth, when you detach yourself from the biblical teachings on stewardship, this is what you get. You get the welfare state, you get the hand-me-out state, you get the print-as-much-money-as-we-want state, and it, it doesn't ultimately lead to this glorious utopia, and that's where we're all mistaken. We think that if we print all this money and we hand it out to everybody and we build things we can't afford and we send money to countries that don't like us, and that we pay people to sit on the couch, we do all this, we're going to end up in this glorious American utopia where nobody has debt and we don't have to work and we all just sit around and waller in our sin. That's a terrible place to be. Some of the most depressed people in this society today are some of the people that don't do what God's told them to do, that don't work with their hands, that don't get to see the fruit of their labor. God created you and me to work. He created us to labor, to be stewards over this creation. We are, we are working beings. We were created to labor intensively and steward God's creation wisely. And so the America, the, the, the Christians in America have got to reclaim the biblical mandate for, for good work ethic. We've got to reclaim hard work. And we've got to teach our children and our grandchildren that hard work is a good thing. And that paying off your debt is the responsible and biblical thing to do. AFA at the core, glad you joined us today. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.